and welcome to a newsflash episode of Unpacking the Case, the podcast by David Jones-Bold, the real estate law specialist. As always, I'm joined by our head of legal training, Richard Snape. Hello, Richard. Hello, Lizzie. I've not seen you for some time. What have you been (laughs) <laughs> in the in the short minutes between this and our previous recording not very much um so for this one we are looking again at a couple well, at a case we looked at previously when they, it was in the lower courts global 100 and Jimenez, if i'm pronouncing that correctly um and that's been heard now at court of appeal together with global guardian management and laliva or laliva um, so, as I said, we've talked about them before, but do you want to just recap um, what they're in relation to? I think it's uh, guardian schemes, but maybe you could give some of the guardianship schemes, but maybe you could give yeah. us some background. Yeah, it's sort of, I mean, there's been quite a few cases this last sort of five years on these guardianship schemes, which, you know, in some some areas are used quite a lot. Um, they historically, if not so much in you know, nowadays and in the future, things like local and central government and the likes, you know, use them a lot or use them a lot. They're basically schemes whereby people who were looking for you know, somewhere to live, otherwise homeless, are found accommodation in what were originally commercial properties, which are now empty. Uh, often they are sort of, you know, empty waiting for, development and the likes but you're not ready yet with the development and they've been causing all kinds of issues i mean one of the reasons you might let these people and they tend to get a reduced rental and the likes uh they find somewhere to to live but um uh they also stop trespass they don't act as a sort of if you like a glorified caretaker they stop trespassers getting in they stop squatters getting in squatters love empty commercial premises because uh nowadays it's illegal to to squat in empty residential properties so the commercial premises are their choice and there's enough of them out there uh what you tend to do in these guardianship schemes we won't go into the detail of the agreements they tend to call themselves you know license agreements the lolliver case called itself a temporary license agreement but people are you know, can allocate and decide to have several people. In the Lalliver case, there were, I think, 11 people, including Lalliver. And uh, they can decide who gets what room, and they can lock the doors and so on. They have their individual bedrooms, so there's a degree of exclusivity. And that's the basic idea. I mean, we have talked about them in the past, not in the context of the, well, we have talked about Jimenez when it was in, in the, um, the upper tribunal uh, in February of this year. But uh, the original discussion, including the first Lalliver case, if you like, which went to the Court of Appeal in late 2021, is whether these people have got leases or are they licenses? Because if they're leases, they're property rights um, and they could have a degree of security of tenure, not under the 54 Landlord and Tenant Act, it's residential, but they could have a short short because so you can't just tell them to leave. And uh, after a bit of discussion years back when they started to be discussed, in the courts, on the tribunals, uh, it was you know, basically decided that um, these things are genuine licenses. If you've got exclusive possession for a term of rent, you've usually got a lease, but there are exceptional circumstances like service occupancy, caretakers, but for the better performance of your job, and that was the same here. Um, I mean, the downside, or one of the many downsides for the um, 
owner or the person setting up the guardian scheme. Remember, I think we did a case. It might have been in a podcast and not just one of these news flashes, a case from 2020, a court of appeal case called Ludgate House in Ricketts, Ricketts being the valuation officer for Southwark Borough Council. Uh, and Ludgate House was you know, on the South Bank waiting to be demolished and uh, you know, a new building built there. And the court decided, the Court of Appeal eventually decided that if there is a, a, a guardianship scheme, the owner of the property is, you know, they're still the one in control, if you like, and and, and responsible for business rates. Uh, so they don't act as a way of stopping business rates liability on your empty properties after three months if it's non-industrial units and warehousing where it's six. But uh, Jimenez and the second of the Lalliver cases uh, is um, on a different issue. And that's houses and multiple occupation. Yeah, so can you tell us a bit about that, please? Well, the background to houses and multiple occupation uh, it's complicated, but I'll do my best. Mm-hmm. Um, houses and multiple occupation, the current legislation is in the 2004 Housing Act, and it's basically a self-contained building or part of a building which is occupied by people who are not related and it's not a purpose-built block of flats. Um, and there's got to be at least three of them. But certain houses and multiple occupation are require licences from the council which you have to pay, depends on which local authority area you're in. For Bristol is one of the most expensive. Um, and that's well, it's slightly different in England and Wales. Until October 2018, it was the same in England and Wales. But England then changed. In England, there's something called mandatory licensing, which is an automatic requirement for a license if you qualify. And that's where you've got five or more people unrelated uh, and they constitute two or more households. In Wales, it's got to be five or more people, two or more households and three or more stories. But I say in England, it was changed in October 2018. So you could have sort of five students in a bungalow and it would be a HMO requiring a licence. Incidentally, five students in a bungalow, Lizzie, is is the um, script for my new sitcom that I'm writing. <laughs> um, but uh, it's going to take over from Friends. It's the next big thing. Uh, but anyway, a little aside. Uh, so it's it's you know slightly different. Some areas of the country, increasing numbers of areas in the country, have something called additional licensing, where in that part of the local authority area, you know, all the HMOs require a license. Um, often in the kind of bedsit land, student areas and the likes. And there's also something called selective licensing, which is where the non-HMOs, you know, the short-term lettings generally require a license. Uh, parts of Bristol have got that, actually, but the, the whole of uh, Liverpool, for instance, and the whole of Nottingham, Liverpool City area, Nottingham City area, are subject to selective licensing. Uh, if you should have a license and you don't, the person in control of the premises uh, is breaking the criminal law, could be prosecuted uh, under Section 72 of the 2004 Housing Act. But also, um, they can be required to pay back, introduced by the Housing and Planning Act of 2016, uh, something called a rent repayment order. You can go off and sort of to the courts and get up to a year's rent back, which is good news. 
I know the students are finding that out to their advantage uh, in some parts of the country. But to be uh, a HMO in the first place um, and to require a license at section 254, if you want to be precise, 254, subsection 2, paragraph D, which says uh, its only use has got to be as residential property. It's a sort of paraphrase on it. Uh, and that's what the um, Global 100 in Jimenez and uh, Global Guardian Management and Lalo are, are about. Is it wholly residential if you're fulfilling some function like security? Yeah, yeah. So what is the answer to that? Well, the Court of Appeal have really confirmed again the first instance decision and well, the first tier tribunal and the upper tribunal's decision. Uh, and that you are only occupying as your, you know, as a dwelling, if you like. They said, and it's stretching it a little bit, but I can understand why they said it. They said that the security aspects, stopping trespassers, stopping squatters getting in, was a consequence, uh, a consequential benefit of these people living there. It wasn't part of the reason. So it was solely a dwelling, and it was a house of multiple occupation requiring a license. And they didn't get a license, they got a rent repayment order and a separate set of facts, you could be prosecuted. Yeah. Cool. So what are the implications of this then? I think it's probably the final nail in the coffin to these guardian schemes, mm. um, quite honestly. I mean, they've been much debated. I know a few years ago I was talking in local authority courses about them. And even then there were some sort of doubts as to whether government bodies should have been using these things. Um but uh, it's not a good way of avoiding business rates liability and they've got all the costs of um, of uh, sort of well, the, the, the um, obtaining licenses and the likes. You have to obtain a license per property. It's usually the case that after the first license, the second onwards are, are cheaper. But per property, per, per, per um, local authority area. <clears throat> And they only last five years and they're personal. So if you were to uh, transfer on at a later stage, the purchaser has to obtain a license. And I think that's probably the end of them. Yeah. And that's it for another little session. Great. Thank you very much, Richard. Okay. Thanks a lot, Lizzie. Thank you very much, Richard. And thank you to everybody for listening. We'll see you again in our next episode.